going on guys welcome back to the sorry to interrupt podcast tom here um so we opened up today a little differently with some nfl talk sam darnold just signed with the jets um and then we kind of went around the league talked about a few other significant things then we moved on to mlb we talked about a few controversial things that just needed to be said uh, then Yankees for, for an extended period of time. And then we moved on, went around the league for the MLB trade deadline. Some trades that already happened, we talked about them. And then some predictions. Um, so follow us on Instagram at sorry underscore sports. Follow us on Twitter at sorry sports. And always go check out the website. Going to be putting up a new article soon. Sean's, uh, Sean's new Zach Britton article is also up there. Um, SorrySports.com. And thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy. All right, we are back. Sorry to interrupt podcast. What's going on, Sean? Fired up after that music? Oh, dude, that was great. This it, this week, from here until the end of the year, till the end of February, we will have football every single week. Well, actually, wait. probably even past that because then you got the mock drafts. Then you've got all a of the free game, agents. A football game <laughs> will be played until the end of February, starting this Thursday at eight o'clock on NBC Bears. Versus Ravens in Chicago, in where Canton, sorry, whatever. So, did you take off all plans for that night to be able to watch? Absolutely. What's really sad is that, you know, as much shit as we talk about the NFL and blah, 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 oh, they suspended Tom Brady for twice the amount of games as they did Ray Rice, this game will probably be watched more than the World Series, like Game 7. Which of course is it will. People can't get enough of football. And for all the political issues with it, with all the injuries and concussions and what have you, Football dominates like no other sport. It is going to be the talk of the sports world starting with this Thursday. Everyone will be watching. It sounds like you will not miss a second of it. I'm looking forward to a full analysis. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pumped up to watch RG3 sling it around out there. Um, all right. So let's jump right in. Speaking of football, um, finally the Jets signed the quarterback. This I tweeted about it. Follow us on Twitter, Sorry Sports. Um, I tweeted about it a couple days ago that this should have been... They should have signed him the second they drafted him. But, I mean, whatever, it's done. Um, it is a four-year, $30.25 million deal, fully guaranteed, um, along with a $20 million signing bonus. I mean, listen, there was a few little things that the Jets and him had a gripe with. My thing is this. I mean, Darnold was worried about if he got cut, not getting paid out. You should have confidence in yourself that you're not going to get cut after the Jets literally mortgage their future for you. And on the Jets' side, like I said, you mortgage your future for the guy. Why, the, why are we fighting over this little bullshit? Give the guy what he wants, okay? Now, finally, you can say that you got this guy locked in for four years, hopefully a lot longer, and hopefully the investment was worthwhile. Thus far, it seems pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, and and isn't it the case now with these rookie deals that you fall into a certain bracket of a of a deal of how much money you're supposed to get? Well, now it's getting interesting because all these deals are getting fully guaranteed. Yeah, Barkley last crazy. week. Barkley, I think Baker Mayfield got a big fat deal too. So yeah, it's really getting interesting. But I'm just glad that. You know, the Jets almost Jets did up again, and, and I'm glad that they finally got around and, you know, got their heads screwed on straight and signed him. He's locked in four years, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, he'll, he'll be the quarterback of the future. Yeah, and you and you said it perfectly. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't have a situation where already off the bat there's hostility felt on either side. You want to get the deal done. You mortgage your future. You used your third overall pick, a pick in which you traded up to get, hoping that he would be available. He fell to you. you this is the guy you're going to build your future around. This is the guy, whether he starts in at any point this season or not, this is the guy going is, forward. It's, it's this is your guy. future. It's not. It's not about Darnold. It's just about like if they drafted, if they mortgage their future for Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, anybody, oh, but you anybody in those top so five your picks. Future. Obviously, yeah. you believe in him above and beyond anything else. It's not time to start setting a precedent for other draft picks. Like this is your biggest draft pick since. Mark Sanchez with the sixth pick, probably even higher than that. I mean, I don't even know. This is probably your biggest draft pick ever. Yeah, I mean, it, you could certainly make the argument. I think, too, is, you know, uh, I'd like to say that the, the agent, from what I heard, was also at fault because, you know, he was trying to tell Darnold that I'm going to get you I'm going to get you a lot more outside of this bracket kind of make a name for himself so he could set a precedent for future clients of his you know either in the currently in the league right now or going forward in, in future drafts so I think any time that you're going with you know situations of that nature um, you just don't want to have it spilling over. And I'm glad for the yep. Jets' perspective that they got the deal done. Now, I'm just th- there's no distraction, get, and I'm it's just, not getting ugly, and he can play in the I'm preseason. I'm just glad it didn't get ugly in the media, and it didn't drag on into preseason game one, two, et cetera, et cetera. Because if you got into a point where, you know, next week you're playing preseason games and he still hasn't signed, then they're talking about on the broadcast. You're getting 20 different media outlets writing articles about it. You're getting, you know, people like me or everybody else, follow Sasari Sports, tweeting about it. Um, you know, you're so good at that. Yeah, I, no big deal. Um, but I, I'm just glad it's done. But No, so, and it had to get done too because whether the players want to say it's a distraction or not, the more that you have to answer questions to that regard, the more of a distraction it's naturally going to become. And you, you want to have animosity off the rip, like you just drafted this guy, right? And, and you want to have, you know, you want to have the quarterback competition be legitimate. You want to have everybody on the same page. This guy's got to learn the playbook. The guy's got to learn how to be an NFL player in his first training camp, in his first preseason action. You know, get out there. Don't have this be an issue. Don't have the veterans and, and what's a relatively young team have to answer all these questions. Uh, let Bowles, you know, not have to worry about that extra pressure. There's pressure on him anyway. Oh, yeah, this for is sure. A, this is an exciting young team that has potential to, I think, at least excite and make some noise in an AFC yeah. that's top-heavy. So it, it, the more that you can get out of – the more good publicity and the better situations that can come out of training camp, starting now with this official signing, the better. 
bad interceptions. So late in game, now that he's but, signed, you know, some of those games, that, those picks um, only mattered bit, because he played well to get to a point. Early, I mean, I look at a game like <clears> the Atlanta game, the Carolina game, honest, the I mean, Miami the Jets game in, in Miami that were all winnable games. I thought he played well. I think he was accomplished. He brought a steady level of veteran presence to to a young team uh, and a young receiving core. I think he did well. Like you mentioned with Bridgewater, right? A guy who was a high draft pick, still looked young, like still young. still young. He was on a really nice ascension there in Minnesota when they were a playoff team a couple of years ago before that gruesome injury. I think that was two summers ago now when they got Bradford. And like you said, he's trying to earn his keep. He signed a one-year, I believe, five million dollar deal, yeah, and he's hoping to parlay side. something. Even if he just shows well in training camp and he loses out, he'll he'll latch on somewhere. You know, there's going to be an injury or two. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see because you know if the Jets aren't willing to cut him and somebody gets injured, maybe they make something out of nothing and get a trade for him. Very possible. Because, I mean, I, you hate to say it, but somebody's going to get injured. I mean, look at Tannehill last year. It happens every year. Every year. Including and, and Br- Bridgewater was a, a, a you know unfortunate victim to a giant injury a couple of years ago. Absolutely. And if... If the Jets can make something out of nothing where they just sign him off a whim, because I think that it's going to end up... I don't think... You're not going to dress three quarterbacks. You're not going to have three quarterbacks... Ta- you're not going to have a quarterback taking up an extra roster spot. There's not There's no reason to. There's not enough roster spots. You know, it's only 53, so... I mean, and I think that you're going to end up with Darnold being the backup at the beginning of the year and the veteran being McCowan, who's not a threat to Darnold in any way um, of taking this job long term and being there. And I think by the end of the season... I don't think Bridgewater is, though, either. Yeah, but he's a young guy, and he's not going to help him out at all. Whereas McCowan's already said in the media and everything, he can't wait to help him out and said all the right things and this, that, and the third. And obviously, you, you said how long he's played for. He's just trying to collect a paycheck, have fun, and be on a, be on a decent team that's growing. He's going to help Darnell get better. I think Bridgewater's trying to get another job. So I think that you know by the end of the year, you're going to see McCowan being the backup and Darnold being the starter as long as things go as planned. I think for- and I think Teddy Bridgewater is the odd man out. Yeah, I do too. And and it seems that the best case scenario that the Jets can get is if Bridgewater plays out of his mind. There's your starter. Maybe he's maybe he's better, and the Jets think that he's maybe a more dynamic player. Perhaps McCown doesn't play great in the preseason, and and Bridgewater just opens a lot of eyes. I think the best case scenario for the Jets is whoever wins the the battle for, to start on opening day, whether it be McCown or Bridgewater. I think you've got to get Darnold into games at some point into the season, whether the Jets are an average team or if they fold down the stretch. I think I listened to an interview with Eli Manning uh, on WFAN, and he said that you know it was indelible experience for him to to play his to play his rookie year because he was so much more prepared in his second year to take the Giants to a to a home playoff game and even though he was dreadful on a 5 and 4 Giants team with a future Hall of Fame quarterback certainly p- keeping them in the playoff push you know to to when you have a top overall draft pick who you invest your future in Eli's like, listen, I I don't think I would have been the quarterback I was if I didn't play and take my lumps and learn. And I think Darnold in a perfect position, you know, it's the New England Patriots Invitational as far as the AFC East is concerned. Yeah, yeah. you said it like eight times, all right? We get it. Yeah, So, but it is. So so take that, play well, and then get Darnold in there at some point in the second half of the season. I don't see a a situation unless – Bridgewater plays literally out of his mind, and the Jets are a playoff contender where Darnold isn't starting the last four or five games um, in any way. 
I mean, I think, like I said, Bridgewater's the odd man out. Todd Bowles on the Michael who would K you like to see today said that um, that it's that it's McCowan's job to lose. Um, I found that a little bit interesting of a comment. I don't know how you feel on that one, but. You know, I thought I would think that he would take a more more of a you know conservative well, route and say, oh, it's a competition, open competition. But you know, you can't really read too much into it. You got to give the veteran the job. He was the starter last year. It's not like he's coming out of nowhere. Same thing with Fitzpatrick a few years ago. Yeah, well, let me acquiesce here and and let the Jet fan of the of the show take over. Where, where who do you want to see start, and what's your ideal situation for the Jets' quarterback battle? Preseason, beginning of the season, and going forward, you mentioned that you want to see Darnold in there. In I the hope second they all half. play well. I hope they all play well, but I hope that I don't want to hope for an injury, but I hope that Teddy Bridgewater finds himself a nice place somewhere else, and maybe the Jets can pick up a seventh round draft pick for the guy. Who knows? And I hope that um, Josh McCown starts the season. Maybe the Jets float around 500, even a little bit worse. But everybody, you know, hopefully you see your guys like Anunwa, Robbie Anderson, even Terrell Pryor playing well, and all the running backs, Crowell and Powell, and they just signed Thomas Rawls. Um, you know, having a decent season as well as obviously the defense. I don't need to go on about the secondary and Leonard Williams. No, their defense um, should be good. Absolutely, I think they're going to have a top end defense. But you know, you you like to see them floating around right around 500, and then you know, because if they're too good, they're not going to play the kid. And I want to see this kid play by the end of the year. I'm hoping, like I said, by the end of the year, it all plays itself out and Darnold ends up being the starting quarterback for the last five games. And he progressively invigorates the team and gets them better. I don't want to go to the playoffs this year. I don't expect the playoffs this year. I want another top-end draft pick. I don't care about this I heard year. a bad analogy today, and I'll tell you why I thought it was bad. Somebody was uh, somebody was mentioning that this reeks of uh, two years ago where you know Fitzpatrick had a really good year in 15 uh, was one game away from the playoffs. They That's gave him terrible. the starting job. Yeah, and they gave him the starting job and obviously fell on his face. This doesn't seem like that at all. First of all, that year they put all their eggs in his basket, and, and he's a career journeyman like McCown is, but nobody's saying that McCown is even expected. This is not a team that if you – obviously the, they're not going to tell you anything. They're going to say that we're trying to win every game. Well, of course they are, and they I expect mean, the to be a playoff team, but it's not – it's nowhere the close. The are not even close to that year. I mean, the year before that, Fitzpatrick came within one game, which he fucked up, to making the playoffs. We had the, we had the what, the fifth pick this year? And and they the turned it, the sixth pick this year, and they turned it into the the third pick. It's not like you had a great year. You had a bad year. You didn't have much going for you last year. So it's not like McCowan played. Fitzpatrick played great that season. Yeah. McCowan did not play great. I mean, McCowan was just a starter because the Jets didn't have anybody. You not have a future mention, now. Not to mention exactly the the Jets signed Fitzpatrick, but they also didn't mortgage their entire future. Also, just give another quarterback thirty two. Thirty point two five million dollars guaranteed. This there's that's that's a horrible comparison, and you said it because yeah, it made no sense. There's no parallel to draw to. I think the only parallel that they were trying to get at was the veteran starting the, over the, the rookie. The, the, this is the journeyman situation. veteran getting another year where he's being anointed the starting quarterback. I just think Darnold's not ready yet, and I think he needs at least a couple weeks of seasoning. The second half of the season, I think that he, you know, even if he's not ready, he needs to get out there and experience some game time. Now, let me ask you, you a can't question. Put all the pressure on him right away. Let's go hypothetical here, real quick. Let's say the Jets. I'm not sure what their schedule is, but let's say right now the Jets steal a couple that on a schedule look like they're probably the inferior team. Let's say come week 10, they are 5-4. and four. Let's use the Giants 2004 comparison. They're a 5-4 and four team. They're right around a playoff seed. If the season were to end, they would be a wild card team. And let's say McCown's starting. 
do you pull the plug? If you're if you're Bulls and the Jets, or if, just as a fan and, and you're you're watching, I mean, and, listen, and to go if they say Darnold's ready, if the, and he proceeds to lose every one of his starts, and now you want to you say you don't want to be a playoff team, but when you're in the middle and you see that you could be, knowing that it's not like the guy sitting behind the veteran is somebody who you're fearful of losing. Do you pull the plug and say, okay, we'll see you next year and we're going to ride this out in McCown? No. I start Darnold. And I, I, I can say that if somehow... Well, do you this, do that? Absolutely. Like I said, like I was going to say, if somehow in this crazy world that actually happens, will not happen. I will bet every dollar I've ever made that that will not happen. But if it did, you can talk to me week 10 and I will say the same thing. If McCown... Sorry. If Darnold's ready, stick him in there and let him play. Because... I don't care about this year. I don't care if you're a wild card team, okay? This team is not talented enough to make a run in the playoffs, and I would much rather another really good draft pick next year where you can get a top-end wide receiver, defensive player, even an offensive lineman, which you could really use with all the guys retiring and that you lost, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to, oh, great, we get to watch one extra week of football. That That's awesome. No, I would rather you know build my team up as opposed to that because, I mean – do I really want to go and watch the Jets lose to a wild card team and, and the Patriots go on to another Super Bowl run when we could be building the franchise for when Tom Brady and Belichick actually retires? No, I want to build up the team. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it, the only thing you know that I would say if I want to play devil's advocate, which in just between you and me, I agree with you. But you know, to 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 have some good to have some good sports talk, it's let. You don't sneeze at playoff appearances. You know, even in the 2016 Giants season when they lost to Green Bay and I could have told you immediately that that team was not talented enough. But that was a different situation, It's a different man. situation, they but have, it's still a They didn't have a, play- a quarterback that they just spent their entire future still on. Still a playoff seed that you look forward to getting. And if yeah, you're but what in- were the Giants going to do? Were they going to sit Eli for fucking the guy from Syracuse, whatever? No. They played the team. They... They you wanted to make the playoffs. They had a team that was wa- supposed to make the they playoffs. They were, but the Jets are still that rebuilding. one extra week of football is still exciting because you're one of the few teams that's still in the game. And sure, I sure. I mean, would I be would I be livid with the Jets? Listen, I'm just no. I'm just having I'm just having conversation. I agree fundamentally with you. And I, right. if I were in your position as as a fan, I would be saying the exact same thing. But I want to win. I want to That's go to what some fans are going games. to say. I want to go to AFC Championship games. I want to go to Super Bowls. I don't care about, or or at least be t- talked about with the teams that are have chances to do it. Like I don't want to be a team that it's like, oh man, there's a surprise team, and then you get blown out thirty-one to three, you know, in the wild card game, and say, oh, there's always next year. Sick, we have the fifteenth pick in the draft. When had we just played Darnold, and he's going to come out like a bat out of hell in his second year because of all that experience. Um, and we had the third pick, and we got the best guard out of Notre Dame, and now his his blind side is covered up. I would much rather that. Okay, well, I, I value playoffs. Well, Don't get me wrong. I'm I, Woody Johnson would be happy to make that extra money for that playoff week. Yeah, I'm sure. Now let's but, say let's say Darnold takes over and he doesn't pull an Eli and lose every start, and he goes on. To play well. Oh, well, then that's there's gravy. there's your there's your best case situation. Exactly. There's that's, your best case situation. That's gravy. Then I'm fine losing out on that third overall pick because it's like 
word he almost the left. guy we invested in was exactly. the reason why we're here we exactly. made the right move he showed competency if you have a uh, you know a situation last year Deshaun Watson where he completely changed the team that team went from playing with Tom Savage oh god looking terrible to a playoff team before he got hurt unfortunately in practice you know if that situation happens win every game win every game until you until you lose win every single you game you got to have but, fun because you know what these conversations that now are hypotheticals you know are going to come to a boiling point at some point in the season whenever that is week 5 week 9 week 13 it's going to happen at some point in the season and what you want to do is at that point you got a motion going right like at that at, at that reference point you're saying oh shit we could be a playoff team that is kind of exciting because you see let's say the wide receiving core looks, looks good let's say the defense takes that even next step and they look elite you say hey maybe with a McCown just just score us 15 we could win I'm just saying I agree with that's you. what no. some other Jet fans and are going to say fans will think about that but you know I like to think I'm a little more logical and I've yeah you're more long term and I've sucked it up long enough and watched enough trash Jets and Nick and every other fucking team besides the Yankees to where I want a franchise. I don't want a fun year. Like the year with Fitzpatrick, we just missed the playoffs because he threw that awful pick against the Buffalo Bills. Like I would have much rather them lost. I was, you know, I was I excited to maybe make the playoffs? Yeah, but I would have rather them done shittier and gotten a better pick. Right. You know, I, I'm more looking more long term. I'm trying to build a team. No, here. and that's and that's obviously, like I said, I agree with you. It's just you got to have those. You got to play that devil's advocate sometimes because other fans, contemporaries of yours, I have no rooting stake in it. I hope they're competitive for the sake of the show. Sports but. talk radio, and you're going to read all the blog boys and this, that, and the third saying, "Why, you know, the Jets are six and four. They got to ride it out with McCowan." I mean, this won't happen, but if it did. I'm yeah. gonna be uh, if if he's ready. I'm gonna be clamoring from Donald. If he's ready week three and there's there's whispers about it, I'm gonna be clamoring for him. I, if he's ready to play and they're not risking his future by playing him too early, I want him out there as C- soon as possible. Do me a favor, cue up that music again because I'm so I'm so loving talking oh, football yeah. right now. No, I am so <laughs> pumped. So moving on, um, this is something for you, Julio Jones. Finally got that, ex- not even an extension, excuse me. He just got extra money, like $4 million extra. So I guess that was kind of a, you know, on a hush-hush deal, but we'll yeah, figure Falcons it out, cave. come on back. The Falcons you know? cave, they know how important he is, even though they drafted Calvin Ridley and they have Muhammad Sanu. That's an elite wide receiver core. That's the but second best wide receiver in the league it's, right there. It's, I mean. it's only elite, though, if Julio is happy and playing and healthy. Yep. So, so they locked him up. Uh, they made him happy, ending his holdout. No more drama. That's another you know situation where early in training camp you want to get that absolved. You don't want to have any kind of issues. Wipe your hands of it. Get whatever you need to get done. He's your franchise player. You signed him to a five-year extension a couple years ago. You got him for probably two more peak seasons after that if you want to go anywhere as far as adding years or what have you, go for it. But yep. you, you you gave him the money he wanted. He's probably worth it. You know how I felt on the matter is I think once you get your big extension and your payday, you should own to that mm-hmm. because he's not getting shortchanged. The problem with the NFL is, and, and everybody who talks about it sounds hypocritical because you're making one case and the other, and, and they're both valid, is – you know, it's the one sport where you can't penalize or fault anybody for trying to get every last cent. Yep. Deals are, for the most part, not never guaranteed. 
teams wipe their hands of players who are no longer productive or living up to the contract that they were signed to. You see it every year. It happens all the time. At one injury ruins a career. But also, you know, I think that that's more the case for the guys who, like an Odell, like, you know, a player like that who's towards the end of a rookie deal, who's bringing in so much endorsement, so much money, um, so much marketability. Okay, like, now you sign them to that big payday and extension. Once they get that money, okay, you're kind of in the back half of your career. Yes, you're still productive, but you should own up to that second contract that's paying you a fortune. You're not on your rookie deal anymore. The problem in the NFL is it's like the the wave of the quarterbacks, right? Like, what was it? Matthew Stafford was the highest paid quarterback at one point. Eli Manning every was week, every uh, year. Sorry, be, every year, it's a new guy. And the Aaron reason Rodgers will be next. Yeah, year. and that and yep. the only reason that's the case is because guys' contracts expire at different times, or guys need mm-hmm. extensions at different times, and franchises at different points in their franchises trajectory need to make a decision on a guy long term. I mean, I remember when Joe Flacco was the highest paid quarterback, and that was only because the, he was off a of Super Bowl, and the Ravens said. There's no way we can tell our fan base and him that we're not going to invest in him long term. He just won. You know, is Stafford the best quarterback? He's a very talented. I'd put him up there in the top 15, probably even then in the top 10 of just talent, but he's not, you know, the, the Tom Brady, no, blah, blah, blah. The Lions, the Lions said, hey, like, we might not want to pay you this much money, but we don't have an alternative. You're the choice. only reason we're relevant. So, you know, with wide receivers, you know, when Odell gets his giant contract, the next wide receiver up and coming or is already young and established is going to be using him as the as the measuring stick and saying, okay, I need to make at least that. It's just the wave of the NFL. It's different than other sports, in my opinion, well, I, as far as the, comparing deals. That's because of the guaranteed contract, non-guaranteed contract. I mean, in the NBA, they have the max contract. Yeah, and in baseball, every contract's guaranteed. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean... You know, in the NBA, there's kind of a set, like, you've been in the league this many years, this, whatever the contingencies are, you can, we offer you the max, and this is your max, your agent knows what it is off the bat, you don't even really need an agent in the NBA, I mean, because if you're a max player, they can only offer you the max, right? but just looking at it from a real quick to wrap it up, a Falcons perspective is, you know, you're going into battle in a, in a loaded NFC South, You, you were, you were you know, a choke job from a Super Bowl championship last starting last year. Uh, you know, they're a playoff team this year um, that went down to the eventual champion uh, Eagles. But yeah, a little that's bit a, underwhelming this past they year. Were, Matt Ryan I think, didn't have as great I think that was a Super Bowl hangover. I think, you know, when you're that close, it's really hard to get yourself up for a regular season knowing that you should be there mentally. I think that's the case in every sport, but football with how grueling it is, both physically and mentally. I agree with you. That, that was that's tough. a tough division. But I it's mean, a brutal division. And the and the Panthers are right there, so they they needed to get this done. And even if they didn't want to pay him that extra money, they could not have this hanging over their head in their training camp. They need to get this season started. They're, they're expected to do big things. They're going to be going to battle six times a year with every team in that division. Um, so, you know, good for them. They got the deal done. Julio ends his holdout. Yeah, and then another thing out of the league is, um, you know, the Rams basically are just signing everybody to big deals. They just signed Brandon Cooks Except to a big Aaron deal. Except Donald. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's what I was going to say is they better win the Super Bowl this year because – I mean, you're signing your not most talented players to these big time deals, and when's he going to get paid? I'm actually shocked he's not holding out, to be honest. And I, 
I, I wouldn't blame him for holding out and being upset. I was, yeah. They, I, they, they gave Cooks a huge deal. They did, and I don't think he deserved it. Gurley is a guy where he kind of. That he was, does that, deserve it. That, he he's deserves kind of a product it, but of McVay, but at the same time, like he had a great rookie year, and he kind of ran into you know um, the coach the second year, just being a, not a good coach. Right. Yeah. Fisher McVay was a bad yeah, coach. Fisher for was him. not a good coach, and McVay came in and being you know the crazy new guy got, made a lot of plays for him. Good, good offensive coach. line and a, and Goff showing the ability to make plays also opened up the running game for Gurley, who has the talent to be elite. He can also the, catch. Yep. Yeah, the way I look at it from that from that particular deal is twofold. One, uh, it kind of contradicts what the regular mantra seems to be as far as running backs are concerned in the NFL of giving guys who are already a couple years deep bigger extensions. Um, you see the Steelers refusing to do that with Le'Veon. I'm sure there's going to come a point where Elliott's really, really looking for one. I don't know if Jerry will do it. Um, you saw how much... Um, Murray fell off to the point where now he's retired. Um, DeMarco Murray, that is. And But the other one is, let's just look at the landscape of L.A. I know L.A. is not a football town, nor would it ever claim to be. But the stars are out in Los Angeles now. And I think that from a marketing standpoint and saying, hey, we need to have stars and we need to, we need to have people surrounding. You know, you see LeBron now with the Lakers. Machado just gets traded to the Dodgers. Last time? Yes, yeah, for the Galaxy. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> see him score three goals yesterday, take the shirt off in his first game. It was yeah. just like, Jesus. But, you know, I, I think that there's... He only some... refers to himself in the... He refers to himself as Zlatan, Oh, it, it's way. insane. That's And there's another soccer plug for you, maybe one soccer fan listening. Um, But, <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, you look at, I think, from the GM standpoint, also from the owner is... You have we have they one have of the big time premier coming as well. Yep, premier running back in the league, easily top three. Just won the offensive MVP, so you got to lock him up. You can't tell. You can't say he. You're going to let him walk, too. and he's young. And I think you know the all O line still good. The Rams are interesting to me. Uh, losing Ogletree to the Giants, I thought was a big loss for them. He was kind of the the captain of that defense. And if Donald yeah. and if Donald isn't happy, and he you know holds this out that kind of feel-good story from last year of the Rams could get ugly. Yeah, I mean, a lot of weird moves, but it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, they better they better be close to a Super Bowl this year. Um, so moving on from that, one last NFL thing, um, the targeting rule. I don't even know if it's a targeting rule. I don't really know specifically what they called it. As usual with the NFL, they're really not good at these things. Um, I don't really know, aside from, you know, being the most popular sport, you know, right now in America, I don't really know what they're good at because they really can't figure out suspending players and this rule. It's like, yeah, if you hit the guy, well, we'll figure it out. It's they're they're once again trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to they're trying to lock down on something that's very important, but also trying not to piss the players off too much instead yeah, of just saying, "Here's the deal." I'm sick. I'm sick of the people playing. Well, well, why don't we just play flag football? Relax. It's not fucking flag. It's football. not flag. Football. It's not seven on seven. They're trying to make the game safer. And that's what the players should understand is like, listen, do you guys want to not remember um, when you played? And do you want to like horribly pass away or do something harmful to yourself at 50? They're trying to make the game safer, but they're doing a horrible job at it. Yeah, they are. And and yet, there's like no research behind it. No, I don't even understand it. La- so just a quick, you know, synopsis of, of the of what the rule is trying to accomplish is it's they're trying to basically institute their 
version of the NCAA targeting quote unquote rule. And the targeting rule in the N- in the NCAA is if you lower your helmet clearly trying to take a player out particularly towards the head it's uh it's an automatic ejection there's no um there's no replay there's no oh i'm i'm I'm, maybe we looked at it wrong maybe it was going too fast and the guy ducked and it went to the head no this is that's an automatic uh ejection in the nfl it's saying it's subject to ejection, which I think is what really... I think that leaves too much room for interpretation. The what I think that should happen is, and this would work a little bit better, is I think, you know, everybody sucks it up with the NFL replay. They're not complaining about it like MLB or even the NBA, where it seems like every time out there's a replay. Um, I think, you know, if the ref throws a flag on it, then it's subject to replay. And then they look at every single player. They look at it in you know their replay office, and they determine, all right, this one seems malicious, or this one seems like an accident. And they can do that on the fly and just say either you're in or you're out. You don't have to make it because that can turn a game. You know, if I mean he's retired now, but if Cam Chancellor puts his head down and it's it was an accident and it's a big-time game that the Seahawks needed, that can really change a game. And if it was an accident, you should be able to review it and say, you know what, no, you, you're still in, That's what, you get a warning or, or whatever. It wasn't malicious. Or, you know what, you're out. We saw that you blatantly, or we determined that you blatantly put your head down on purpose. I think what's going to happen with that, which is going to really cause some issues and controversy is, is uh, from a couple different scopes, is one, you're going to have reputations that are going to have to be put into account. If Vontez Burfecht does it, even if that was a complete accident, he's going to be out. Whereas you have a guy like a Danny Trevathan who last year obliterated uh, Devontae Adams in Green Bay. You know, he's never had a history of being that think, guy. I think that the replay eliminates that because it's like Vontez Burfecht puts a big, huge hit on somebody. And, of course, you're going to automatically look back to the Antonio Brown thing, this, that, and the third. And – then the ref throws him out, right? It goes to commercial. They do a quick replay, 30 seconds. He's back in because this time they watched the replay at 30 different angles because that's what they have in 2018. And they said, you know what? It wasn't malicious. Vontez Burfecht's done it maliciously before, but this time it wasn't. You're back in. Yeah, and and I think too is I it, think that's fine. I think it's fine. That's not what's going to happen. Though. That's not. There's, it's going to be butchered like everything else. Everything else the NFL, else the NFL does. And people are still going to watch. Well, I'm going to watch. Of course, of course, you're going to be glued to the TV. You're not going to. And then red zone and and the gambling and the and the fantasy and and everything is going to is going to cover up and put makeup on the fact that the NFL every time they institute a rule are trying to be half pregnant with it. They don't know what they're doing. They, they, they try to appeal to everybody, but really they don't make one side happy. And you know, if you're, if you're really trying to make the game safer, I watch a lot of college football and I think the targeting rule is very safeguarded. I, I think what it does is, and I understand that those kids aren't making money it and gives it's no them a big sense deal. Of awareness, but it gives like, them if I, a sense if I, of awareness. You got to perfectly be said. mindful of it because if I fuck up, I'm going to get tossed. End of story. End of story. I like that too. Yeah, I, I, and, now and, that you put it that way, I think it's a good I idea. think what it does is it just puts that overall premium on safety and the NCAA, which also both in basketball and football has missed the boat on a lot. That is one rule that even like when I'm watching, you know, a Bama game and I'm like, fuck, the guy got is out of the game. That was clearly not malicious. It's, but you know what? That's the rule and that's going to happen for everybody. And whether the guy meant to do it or not, he's, you know, for sure his form is going to get better because that ain't happening again. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so that that's pretty much it for the NFL. Might as well move on to the MLB. Um, first thing I want to talk about before we jump into the Yankees and, and trade deadline, there's been some some tweets, some whatever. Um, not good. Definitely not good for the MLB. I mean, listen, I know they were 18, but you and I have been 18 before, and I don't think I was saying that kind of shit at 18. No, especially... Yeah, so obviously, if you're intelligent, you wouldn't say anywhere. It, they're, they're offensive views. They're, they're, you know, just completely inappropriate. In I, I every, don't care where you're from, either. This no, is, I don't either, but let's just take a recap. This started with Josh Hader a couple weeks All-Star ago game. at the All-Star Game. Um, tweets Sean Newcomb and Trey Turner last night. Yeah, the three players. Yep, yeah. and all homophobic them, as well as racist. Homophobic, racist tweets. tweets. And you know, th- my thing is, is like you said, man. You know, you're 18. You know, we, you and I. You know, I'm 26. You know, we we grew up in as social media heightened. I mean, we couldn't get through school or jobs or anything without social media being incredibly prevalent and dictating kind of where you are as far as respectability from potential employers, yeah. from friends, from anybody. You know, nobody wants to see that. And if you have a pattern or even one offensive tweet, like what gets me is when they say something, it's like from lyrics. It's like, okay. That was the one point of a lyric. It was it hit you so hard that as a white guy that you had to throw that in there. Like yeah. I mean, and even it, it's not even about that. It's just you, I think at 18, 19, you have views and whether they're instilled from your parents, from your grandparents, whatever, they're your views, man. I mean, that's I I sure as hell have never felt either of those ways. If I and I sure as hell and sure have never felt the need to tweet anything. And even if I was, even let's just say that you know I was really upset at somebody, right? Regardless of age, gender, race, whatever. Let's say I'm really mad at them. Why would I go to social media and tweet it? Like that makes no sense, man. The point at hand here, before we get into that, that could be a four-hour podcast, and I think that's for another podcast with other people on it. Yeah, sure. Um, is, you know, MLB's got to button this up because they want to grow the league and all this shit, and that's definitely not helping. No. Um, you know, I mean, you got a lot of other bad things going on. I mean, um, the o- Ozuna or whatever just got traded from the Blue Jays. He, yeah, he's in the middle of a... Very bad, it, too, yep. of course. Chapman and but, Familia I mean, with their You know, you're, you're talking about growing the game and stuff. you got to comb these guys' Twitters. You, you have an intern somewhere go through this shit and be like, this this can't happen. Yeah. Throw him a suspension for something or, or send him to counseling. This Every single player in the league should have their Twitter combed through. And I then, mean, this can't be happening. Yeah, and... I shouldn't be able to say, oh, Sean Newcomb's throwing a no-hitter. You know, fuck it. I'm going to look at his Twitter. And then I find myself down a rabbit hole and I, me, random Joe Schmo gets to, sorry, sports at, on Twitter, gets to expose him on Twitter with all these, with all these horrible tweets. That's the somebody w- got famous. Off that's that shit, the worst not for part. A good thing. That no dude. And so eloquently said that was the last, that was the worst part, right? Like the kids, a, a strike away from a no hitter up and coming young, promising arm on a good young team in Atlanta, shutting down the Dodgers on a Sunday, you know, Kang Machado Kemp, all the all-stars, and that's the story. And it's like Josh that Hader has electric stuff. So fun to watch on the mound. 
And can I just say this before, and we'll put a bow on it because what's we got so much more fun things to talk about. But for him to get a standing ovation in Milwaukee on his day when you know, like when he made his first appearance since that whole thing, is just disgusting to me. I yeah, I can't. That's terrible. That's horrible. You know, he didn't do anything to earn that. I don't care if Lorenzo Kane says he's a good teammate, a good guy, and I stand by him, and all of his other teammates do. You know what? That's great. I don't know if they're saying that because they're his teammate and they know how important he is to their team's success. I don't know if they said, listen, I'm fucking pissed, but I'll take the high road publicly. You don't know. Maybe they genuinely do know him as a guy and say it's fine. I mean, listen, fine. you don't but deserve a standing listen, ovation, and that's bad on the fans. That's disgusting. And, I mean, listen. Y- and I think it's shame on the media for showing it and putting a premium on it. They shouldn't have done anything about that. They should have said, you know what? He made it his regular appearance in the seventh inning of a game. I'm not. Do not make this about how he got cheered because now other people know in whatever market you're in is going to say, well, you know what? That's really bad, but Hey, he's my guy. I root for him. Yep. Standing ovation. You can't do that. I mean, listen, well, we can't be critical of it because we cheer for Chapman, but everybody, listen, and I understand everybody makes mistakes, but you can't, you can't cheer for that kind of stuff. But just to wrap it up, I think it's just a bad job all around on the MLB because they've got to be more. If you want Mike Trout tweeting this shit, well, they're tweeting stuff. It's not good. Good they point. They need to be. They need to be combing through their social media accounts much better than this. Because, listen, I'm a huge baseball fan. It was my first, you know, sport that I really loved, and I want other people to enjoy it as well. And I don't want it to go anywhere. And they need in 2018. You can hire a fucking intern where all they do for eight hours a day is go through every player's Twitter and make sure there's nothing bad on it. Yep. The Yankees call up uh, Loisiger or whatever, go through his last 10 years of tweets. Yep. You know, go do that for, for eight hours. But that's enough of that. Let's talk about some fun stuff because that's just, you know, that's just pure stupidity. Um, Couldn't have said it better. All right. So the Yankees are, uh, they made a couple trades since we last spoke. Uh, Zach Britton, Jay Happ, they just got Lance Lynn right before we uh, right before we started up, and then a few other guys that are um, basically to clean up the forty man um, and, and get some more young talent in there. Which I, you know, Cashman is a I, you read me a quote from another from another executive in Major League Baseball as quote unquote a wizard. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing what he's continued to do. So let's run down. So. We had speculated that the Yankees might do a version of shortening the game because no great starters were available, it seemed at that point. So we did this exactly seven days ago, and of course the next day the story breaks that the Yankees acquire Britain to make their bullpen even better. If you want to take a quick look at the landscape of the Yankees' current bullpen and bullpens going back, how this super reliever game took place, uh, go on to sorrysports.com. There's an article from last week Shameless up there. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> um Lots of lots of fun, uh, but no, it, it. This is the best bullpen on paper that has ever been assembled. So the yeah, Yankees yeah, traded absolutely. Dylan Tate, who was a high upside pick. He was the he was the headliner of the Carlos Beltran to Texas trade a couple of years back. Uh, former number one draft pick from the Rangers has been kind of in between whether they the Yankees viewed him as a starter or a reliever long term. He did make the double A all-star team as a starter this year. Had some good numbers, but they worry about his control 
Um, I think they'd really wanted him to make some strides in the farm system the last few years, and he hasn't quite to the point where they wanted him to. Um, so he headlined that deal. Cody Carroll was probably the next best reliever ready to come up from the Yankee system, not named Tommy Canely. Um, scouts think that he's going to be able to go right into that Brad Brock, Darren O'Day kind of um slot for the Orioles going forward and then uh, Josh Rogers who was a nice left-handed starter um, people look at him as kind of a swing guy but you know the Orioles are t- they wanted pitching we talked about that the Yankees had the high they upside didn't to give up but they didn't have to give up anybody that's been contributing this year or is on the verge so they got a rental Britain, his first appearance was dominant a little shaky in his second remember he's still working his way back from that Achilles but you have injury. him as your second lefty now with Chapman, Robertson, Green, who stumbled a little bit lately, but Batances has been electric. This bullpen is going to make games five innings long. Um, so I thought that was great. Jay Happ. Exciting for that one-game playoff that, um, at this point, they pretty much seem destined for. Yes. Jay Happ. Tom, give me your thoughts on him. So we kind of talked about going back to May, right? His name was going to be there, as was Hamels. Yeah, I mean, it's almost inevitable the Yankees were going to get one of the two, and Jay Happ pretty much from about three weeks ago seemed like the front runner. Hamels, they were asking a little too much for. The Cubs went out and got him. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited for it. Um, again, they really didn't give up much to get the guy. Yes and no. So let's look at it this way, right? They did give up. They gave up a a third baseman, second baseman guy who you even said during the first week is your new favorite player in Drury. The Yankees yeah. did acquire him to be their future third baseman, and and I feel bad for him with the getting those migraines finally coming out and a allowing. A side note on that that makes it interesting is Josh Donaldson. I mean, is I he, think he's done. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so too. I think he's out for the year. They're not going to be able to trade him. And then he's he's gonna walk and sign as a free yeah, agent. That, so, it's almost but they an got their next, they got their next third baseman. So good for them. Drury is a very good major league player. I could see him being very very good for Toronto. They also got Billy McKinney, who we talked about as a depth piece. But he don't make no mistake about it. Billy McKinney. This was the third time he got dealt. He was the top pick of the uh, of the A's. He went to the Cubs in the Samarja Hamill deal, and then to the Yankees in the Chapman trade. Um, tearing up Triple A, lot of power numbers, really good lefty bat. The Yankees were playing him at first too, so if the Blue Jays, you know, want to use him as a little bit of that, I think he's going to slide right into that outfield because I think they're going to trade one of their outfielders. Yes. Um, so they got two going forward major league starters, and good for them because they traded a rental. Now the Yankees desperately needed Hap. We talked about it at length that he was probably their best option, at least battle-tested, good numbers against Boston. I mean, look at the look, the guy's been pitching great this year. He's got higher strikeout numbers. He's sitting at like 92 to even he can top out at 95, 96. Made the all-star team this year. Got a low ERA. His innings are a little bit down, but that's because his strikeouts are up. Um, and in his first debut for the Yankees, you really couldn't ask for much more. I mean, only had two strikeouts, but when you're throwing ground balls, who cares? Six I mean, innings, one run. I know it's the Royals, but yeah, yep. nothing you can ask. Got yep. to throw to the guys that are in front of you. I mean, who cares? Royals, whoever. Right. Uh, so I thought that was a great move. You know, the, we talked about it, right, that Justin Verlander is not out there this year. You know, the Mets, once they said that Syndergaard and DeGrom were not going anywhere, you, that pipe dream could go away. The Giants are too relevant to, to – think that Bumgarner was going to be a yep. move so that Maybe wasn't going to happen but I bet you the the Rays are probably asking for the for Rays a are lot. the Rays will ask for a 
lot. The Yankees will not trade what they want, and I do think that they'll trade him to a team. I think San Diego's in the lead. Pittsburgh's there too because they have the prospects and they want to get some kind of fortification of, of a frontline starter. But regardless, Hap was probably the best move. I thought Hap and Hamels, I would have been okay with Hamels. Um, but I think Hap was the better bet, particularly since he had been pitching well to an all-star level in the AL East. His next start will be fun. It's Saturday in Boston against old friend Nathan Navaldi, who I'm worried about him, man. He he's he's one of those guys where you know you know the story about him. You know, I think he's had two Tommy John surgeries. Yeah. Um, was electric with the Marlins, Yankees up and down, but the promise was there. Um, pitched really well for Tampa Bay when he came up, and he dominated, dominated in his first start with Boston. And I think that he's going to be one of – I think he's going to pitch to a sub-2, you know, ERA. Sub-3. Well, right, he's fine. I'll back, <laughs> I'll back up on that. Sub-3. Yeah, and, and with that lineup, I mean, he should win a lot of games. But to cover up the Yanks a little bit more, so there's so there's your lockdown reliever. There's your best starter that Couple you could get. A couple more trades to, you know, clear the 40-man, get some more signing uh, space. Anything, you know, notable to you? I know they made a lot more deals, but... Yeah, so the, the couple, I, I mean, I think they're all notable in their own right, and, and I'll tell you why, you know, taking peeling away the onion, kind of looking at the deeper surface of some of those moves. Um, so, obviously, right before we went on the air, you mentioned the Lance Lynn. I like it a lot. The reason being is they just traded Adam Warren, who I liked Warren. He was steady. He was always dependable, but his numbers weren't phenomenal this year. He had been shaky lately. He's expendable. They shipped him to the Mariners for international signing money. Um, And then they acquired Lance Lynn for Tyler Austin. Another guy that we mentioned that we really liked. I think they could use him now with his righty pop, but um, they they shipped him off to the Twins for Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, who had been awful early on, looked like another one of those guys who just needed an extended spring training that happened to go into the regular season. His numbers have been good lately. He's gonna give you depth in the starting rotation as a sixth guy. They're gonna. I know they're hitting a streak of playing 18 games in a row. Yep. Severino has been very hittable lately. Um, he's also going to give you some extra velocity and allow you to kind of, along with A.J. Cole, come in in the fourth. Just further dominate this bullpen. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what I really like about this deal because, you know, maybe you have a little bit of a, a, a tired arm situation with Severino. He Hopefully he's not hurt. What worries me with these guys, their velocity is still there. Evaldi's velocity, even when he tore up his elbow, was still there. It's the location. When you start missing wildly, it makes me worry that wildly you're in the strike zone too. Yes, yes. If you start giving up home runs at a crazy clip that's not normal, or you start walking guys at a crazy clip, that makes me worry because that means that your mechanics are screwed up. Your mechanics being screwed up may not affect your velocity, but it sure as shit will affect your location. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't, you know. There's no reports out there that he's hurt. I'm hoping that it's just a little bit of dead arm. He's thrown a lot of innings this year that he's not really used to, and that's why going back, I like this Lance Lynn deal. I like this Hap deal. Even Cole. I mean, and Britain to to further yeah, lengthen that. Because you pen. know what, it, it, you you can skip a start now that you have Lance Lynn. Throwing out Lance Lynn against the Kansas City Royals or whatever, I got a confidence in that. Oh, yeah, that you can win and you, that game. you're going to want to give CeCe a day here and there. I mean, Tanaka always is better on extra rest. Um, 
I, I like it a lot, and the reason I think Austin became expendable and they knew that they were going forward was they acquired Luke Voigt uh, from the St. Louis Cardinals who had only played in a handful of games this year, but a Tyler Austin type, right-handed power from the first base DH position, had been having really good numbers in AAA Memphis for, for the Cardinals Tyler system. Austin 2.0. It's like he hasn't even left yet. It's like he hasn't he even left yet. He just didn't fight Joe Kelly. And that's the only difference between the two of them. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't mind a little little fireworks at Fenway this weekend, but uh, neither. <laughs> so, but yeah. So in that trade, the Yankees dumped Chase and Shreve, perennial Yankee fan punching bag. You know, and he Giovanni Gallegos. I, you know, he cried during his exit interview. Or he whatever. loved being a Yankee. You love to see it, but I was not sad to see him go. He had pitched from a, a player couple. point of view. No, yeah. I mean he he was always the guy. Yeah, he was like Aaron Home Run Heilman on the Mets. So that's a throwback <laughs> that nobody's gonna know, but. You know, I remember I know. it. Yeah, and he had you know that that Chapman meltdown in the Met game. He came in and, and saved the day. He had some good moments in his tenure with the Yankees. He had some bad ones. Um, my always issue with him was you're a lefty specialist who doesn't pitch well against lefties. So that's a problem for me. Uh, I, he had been pitching pre- predominantly in mop up roles. You know, if your second lefty in the bullpen is Britain. I don't think you need Shreve. No, so, especially not. with the clip that Robertson, Holder, and Batantis strike out lefties. So, it's totally fine with me. Gallegos, another guy who was in that deal, another 40-man roster cleanup. This He was the epitome of the Scranton shuttle, the 26-man and double headers. He'd come on up, throw you a couple mop-up innings when the bullpen was tired. You have plenty of those guys down in, down in the minors that you can use. Sessa is the next guy up. Um Warren uh, to for international money. So a lot of these trades were for international money, and yeah, the so reason go a more on that. The that's reason the being, part. the reason being is first of all, this trend started last year when Cashman made a lot of similar moves in forty-man roster cleanups to get international signing money in, in hopes that he was going to use for Otani. Well, obviously that didn't pan out, but he had a lot left over. The Yankees did sign the number nine overall international, according to MLB.com, the number nine international prospect, um, a Cuban right-hander who was 19. They signed to a $1.5 million deal. He's going to go right into their system. A lot of people project that he could be in the majors in two years. He was throwing 96 as a 15-year-old. Electric stuff. And from a reports that I... Did they check his Twitter? Make sure he's good to go? (laughs) They don't have to. That I don't know. But, uh, But I do know that a lot of the reports were right up there with how they viewed Severino when they signed him. Um, the Yankees have had a lot of success with their international signees. Um, uh, you know, Floreal is their top top position playing prospect, and uh, he was a guy that they used a lot of international money for. They have even more apparently. Um, the scout that had that quote that you referenced earlier um, said that there's still a bunch of guys ready to be signed, and the Yankees are going to take them. The Yankees wanted Glaber Torres before they couldn't find. They literally couldn't find him, and the Cubs got him. Um, so they scout those guys really well and they're just more great high-end prospects that you can add to an already very good farm system use as frontline as trade chips or develop going forward so cashman has put a premium on restocking the minor league system from triple a all the way down to the rookie gulf coast teams um 
So I think those trades are very interesting. I know they're in on an outfielder because Judge is out for a few weeks. Yep, that that was the next thing. I mean, tough to see. It obviously wasn't a, a you know he didn't get hit on purpose, but you know you hate to see your best player go out and the lineups. This you know you really didn't think it was going to be that much because you have a lot. This is a very good lineup, but they. What Aaron Boone was running out there, you know, and I don't think it was because the Yankees don't have the players. You think it was because of the double headers? No, I think that, well, yeah, I do think it, that was his thinking, but then again, you have a Friday off because of the rainout and today off. So, I I mean, I think you can play two games. I think Andhar can play two games. I think Hicks can play two games. I don't see why Wade is playing left field. I, I Shane Robinson starting both games. Yeah, they, it was, you know... I don't want to talk too badly about Boone because he's done a really good job with the pen, as we said, and he's done a really good job mixing it up with the players, and this team's one of the best teams in baseball. But that was a bad job, and when you're five and a half games back from the Red Sox, you need to sweep the Royals. I'm happy with three out of four. I am, but that could have been a sweep. And and don't get me wrong before before you go on. Severino pitched terribly, and I'm worried about that, but... Maybe had you had Gardner and Hicks in the lineup, as opposed to the other guys, you know, maybe you could have made that up. I I am I'm glad that you hit that point because I was I was in New Jersey following the games, and I couldn't believe the lineups that I saw for both games. And you know, I think they're going to miss Judge, particularly in this Boston series. Oh, you but think they're playing, one of the best players in baseball? Well, no, give me a second because <laughs> it's. The guy who's taking his everyday position won the National League MVP last True. year. So it's it's you're not replacing him with nobody, but your outfield now is thin, which is why I think they're trying to get another guy. They didn't want Tyler Austin playing right field. Crazy, obviously. like I said, they're gonna sort th- themselves out how quickly things turn. A couple, you know, two months ago, if I told you the Yankees outfield was thin, you would have said, "What the what the hell are you talking about?" And now it's with the Frazier injury, you know, with his concussions and. Judge with this, it's like it is thin. It is the depth is thin because you're playing Shane Robinson, who no offense to Shane Robinson is not a major league outfielder. Tyler Wade is a nice depth piece, but he's not supposed to be playing the outfield. Um, I I don't know. I mean, obviously they're going to miss Judge a tremendous amount, but they have. It's only three weeks, and with the exception of the four game set in Boston, they're playing nobody. And the lineup that they should be running out there would be competent, you think, to still score plenty of runs. I mean, so what do you think, you know, bottom line, what what do you think the Yankees are going to do? Do you think they're going to go out and get themselves a a rental for nothing maybe? I think they're going to find an outfielder somewhere, a Jose Martinez maybe in St. Louis who's a outfield DH type. Maybe they reunite with Granderson. I think they want a righty bat because remember with Sanchez out, that's a lot of righty pop gone. Um, So... I, a guy who you don't have to worry about losing when Judge comes back and reassumes his role, but just in case that wrist doesn't heal, a guy that you know you still have cover for and is a good pinch hitter off the bench. A guy like Granderson makes sense. He does hit lefties. He's ALEs battle tested. He's a hired gun. He can play right field against righties. You can have Stanton play. Uh, he actually Granderson can play all three outfield positions, so he just adds a, another layer of fluidity where you can play him every day for a few weeks. Um, give Guardy a day, you put him in left, or put Stanton in left, 
uh, something like that. You know, I think that makes sense. You wouldn't have to give up a whole lot to get him. Bautista, who I can't stand, but he would make sense. That obviously will not happen uh, since he's a Met and the Mets don't trade with the Yankees. Martinez, a guy like that, I saw they were rumored for Cameron Mabin. Mabin, I guess, makes sense because he... Mabin would be interesting because he's a guy with a lot of speed off the bench when the team gets fully healthy again. I yep. would actually prefer that deal to the rest of them. Yep. Um, and he also can play more of a, a better, def- at this point in his career, better defensively than the rest of the guys. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they're going to get another backup catcher too. I, 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 I would be surprised. This is a throwaway year for Sanchez. This has been terrible. This It's been God awful. We didn't even get into that terrible disgrace of a performance that he had on Monday night. And I know they said it's a bad injury and that's, he's on the deal for six weeks. You don't punish a guy. So get for six weeks So get those conspiracy theories out of your head, but bad job because when he had to accelerate on the pass ball and on that, on the run to first base, he could. So, if you're really hurt, you're putting your team at a disadvantage. If you can't move behind the plate and you can't run out a ground ball that could have, you know, tied the game, but yeah, talk about a throwaway year. He's hit 190. He hasn't done anything. The power numbers are there, but this is the second straight stint on the DL. I like Romine. He still scares me as a guy if you have to play him every day. I think a nice, competent backup, a guy like an AJ Ellis, makes sense. Um, there's guys all over the minor, or all over you know the majors that are Kurt backup Suzuki, catchers. something like that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And and a guy who you wouldn't, who knows, isn't. It's not going to be a big deal when when Sanchez comes back and he's the third catcher. Because I wouldn't even mind if they went back and they got a Russell Martin. I think he's too expensive, and I think Russell Martin is a guy where you would want him to be playing. I think he's a guy that would make sense if you knew Sanchez was out for the whole year. He's not out for the whole year. You're not going to take Romine out of his role. He's, he's a very good backup, and he has been hitting when he's played. A guy who knows that you know he, he's going to be a backup or a third or a third-string catcher, and AJ Ellis makes sense. He's playing on the Padres. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that. So, I think those are the two moves that they have left to make. But I, I am, I am ecstatic about what Cashman's done from a Yankee yeah. perspective. Now, I'm going to let you take this one. What are some of the other moves you mentioned, Evaldi? Do you think that puts Boston over the top? And also, what are the other moves around the league that you've seen either, either that have already been made or or have been made since we last talked? So, yeah, Ovaldi to Boston really sticks out to me. He had a great performance, dominant performance. Um, was it yesterday? Yeah, against the Twins. Yeah, yeah I mean, t- Twins can't really hit this year. Dozier's another guy on the market. That's a sidebar, but he hasn't gotten dealt yet. Um, but, yeah, I think that he's gonna. you're going to look up, and if the Red Sox go to the World Series or win it, he's going to be a really, really dominant force for them. I think he's going to get a really good contract out of this. Um, aside from that, like I said, you got Hamels going to the Cubs, a guy that I think I keep saying it. I'm going to keep pounding the table until they're out of it. But, I mean, listen, they're in first place. I think the Cubs are going to be a team, a force to be reckoned with when the playoffs come around. Really interested that the Nationals haven't really done anything. They're in limbo. There's reports that they might sell off some of their veterans. Yeah, but then again, like they're taking Strasburg's coming off the DL in the next few days. Um, supposedly, him and Scherzer just really don't get along. I mean, Strasburg's kind of a little, you know, a little kind of baby, and you know, Scherzer's a horse, I guess. But 
I mean, I don't know what they differ on. I mean, they, they're they not dealing Harper. Indians have had interest, but supposedly it's gone nowhere. Um, I don't really know. They're, they're exactly that. They're in limbo. They might not even make the playoffs, which is very interesting. But Ozuna for Giles and a couple prospects from Toronto to Houston. I mean, they got quite the haul for a guy who's been suspended for 60 games. And I mean, listen, I know he was an all-star, and he's definitely an upgrade from Giles, but... The guy hasn't pitched, and he won't in like be allowed to pitch months. in the postseason either. Yeah, I, I, that's crazy. I mean, I, I can't believe that trade, but I guess they just really wanted to get off Giles um, Archer. I guess once he punched himself in the face, it was kind of over. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a lunatic, but I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, on on <laughs> Archer, uh, Archer, you said maybe Padres. We don't know, but. They're the, they're in the front running. They're not going to trade with the Yankees um, unless it's you know they're blown away. Yeah, they they reported over the weekend that there were th- there were about a dozen teams that were inquiring on them um, to the point where we started recording. There was a report that the Rays are asking for final offers. The Rays were scouting Justice Sheffield. They had three scouts down uh, in Scranton um, where Sheffield was pitching uh, in AAA on Saturday. I mean, the Yankees have the prospects to get Archer if they wanted to. I don't think they have the stomach to trade a Floreal or a Sheffield. I think maybe Frazier they would, but I don't think they would like to do it. And I think that I think the the Rays have a very ridiculous asking price anyway. It makes sense, but to the Yankees, they'll probably elevate that. They don't want to trade Archer. And truthfully, as good as Archer's strikeout to walk ratio is and as dominant and high ceiling as he can be, you, you and I, you actually spoke to it more so than I did earlier when we were speculating what could happen in July. There's a lot of miles on that arm, man. He's thrown a lot of a lot of innings and a lot of pitches, and he's really a two-pitch pitcher. He's a fastball slider guy. Uh, both pitches are, are electric, but we've talked about it. How many times do we have to see high-ceiling pitchers come over that you have to trade a lot for? You know, Sonny Gray has all of that, and, and you've dealt with what he's been. And I know he's been better, and and uh, pitching against bad teams, which they've intentionally lined him up to do. You know, a good start against Baltimore before the break, good start against the Mets, and a good start against Kansas City out of the break. He's he's facing hey, Baltimore. Let him get a little rhythm Wednesday going. In, Chica- I like that. in Chicago against the White Sox next week. All teams that his confidence should build up against because they're not good. But, good. but once again, you have one of those guys in your rotation. You don't need another, especially for the price tag that's going to cost. I think the Padres are interesting because – they seem to do this where they are like, okay, they're rebuilding, but then they go for a superstar. Uh, absolutely. This is like the third time they've done this, you know, but I don't really think they're rebuilding because they got Margot Myers. They went and spent a lot of money on Hosmer this past year. So I think they're kind of in limbo as well. And they're trying to get they got out of Tatis it. jr. Who's going to be their shortstop next year. Yeah, absolutely. And some other guys, their, their farm system is, is loaded. I believe it's number one now after some of the, some of the graduations in the Yankee and brave systems. Um, so they might be in a position where they could use some of their guys as expendable trade chips and get a young, not not so much young, Archer's 30, but a controllable 
pitcher in his prime that maybe you know they could make a quick turnaround if some of their prospects hit next year. Yeah, absolutely. So just a quick clarification before we start talking, you know, guys that aren't going anywhere. Ozuna can pitch in the playoffs this year. Oh, he can. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just checked up on that. I, you're thinking about when somebody oh, gets, gets PED suspensions. PEDs, got it. Got it. I, which what, is absurd because I think domestic violence is a little bit worse than PEDs. Yeah, I know Cano is not allowed thing. to play in the playoffs. Yes. yeah yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, moving on from that. So, so people that aren't going anywhere, um, I don't want to trigger a rant, but the Mets are not going to trade DeGrom or Syndergaard. Surprise, surprise here. And they're asking a pretty penny for Wheeler. If there was a way to put a special prop in that exactly this was going to happen, I'd be a billionaire right now. We wouldn't be talking because I would be on a, I would be on a crazy island right now. That anybody could have predicted that. In fact, that. you're still ditching me, man. I mean, you could spend an hour still talking. True, true. Over <laughs> the phone, maybe. Adam Jones isn't going anywhere, but I guess he just likes Baltimore. He won't waive his no-trade clause. That's kind of a no-story there. Um, but back to the Mets. I mean, it's just as much as you know it's coming, like I just said, it's still really disappointing. I mean, we knew that they were going to ask a crazy amount if they were even willing to deal the two bigger arms. But asking a lot for Wheeler? Come on. they <laughs> He pitches two good games? Yeah. I mean, chances are I could go out and pitch two decent games. Yeah, he, for the Yankees tomorrow, are they going to ask for you know, something, something crazy for me? They're, they have an ability to piss off a lot of teams because they have commodities that they won't entertain for. And then the guys that are really like other teams, like you say, like, okay, fine. Like, well, Wheeler's a good pitcher. Like you said, like... He's not worth what they're asking for. I think he gets moved. I do think that they will finally do something. I think the Brewers are going to ask for a lot or are going to give a lot, and they'll do it. He would help anchor that rotation because they've had a couple really bad injuries. Uh, Kyle Davies is out for the year, as is um, as is Suter. So they those are two of their top five guys in the rotation. They're going to look to add arms, maybe two. Harvey makes sense as well. Um, but yeah, man, it's a, it's atrocious and. And I don't know what they're going to do in the offseason. You know, maybe DeGrom, they work out an extension, which to me still doesn't make sense because he has two years left on his deal. And and by the, you're going to give a 30-year-old a, another three years. Like, watch him just, you know, break down and, and be awful when they start to maybe build some talent around him. Um, it's okay if they don't entertain, you know, for Syndergaard. That, I, I get that. But, you know, when you're so far behind, it's not even like they're having a bad year in a, in a bad division, you know, that division's going to be good. I think the Phillies have, are going to make a couple of huge splashes in the free agent market this winter. Um, the Braves are just getting better. I don't think the nationals are going to go away quietly. And the Marlins are, have started their fire sale and are starting to build up a farm system where maybe in another two years, they can establish some kind of winning way. So it, you don't know what they're doing. They've got three GMs. None have assumed real leadership of the role. Maybe they bring in another guy in the offseason and they entertain thoughts there. But to not even, you know, they're saying like, and they, I even saw a report today that they're asking price on Bautista is really high. You know, I know he's played well for them at third in the outfield and he's a righty bat with pop, but he's been DFA twice. It's, That's like me going to a garage sale and then asking for, you know. Yeah. For something for that I bought there for for ten thousand dollars. Fuck. But that's what the Mets do. I mean, apparently they got a nice haul for Cabrera. Uh, the reports that I saw when they've dealt um as Dribble Cabrera to the Phillies. Apparently the Phillies gave him a nice little pa- uh, a nice little package. But I mean, for the love of God, I mean Jose Bautista, like 
You're, so what? He's gonna hit you some homers in a in a empty city field and yeah, get like five players to be named. Let, move on. From even it. if you get international signing money to to use and you know to build up an awful farm system, do it. Like, but they won't because they're not competent. I said my piece last week. It was so funny. Yeah. I got a comment from my friend who is who is a Met fan. He's like, you actually made me really mad by that. I was like, I yeah. told I can't even imagine what you guys are going through. Like, I'm seeing. And that's the thing, you know, like Cashman's running his team like a small market team, which is dangerous because they have the money to spend if they need to. But And they will at some point. They it's will. coming. Yep. I think Corbin in the offseason makes sense as a starter, and I still don't shut the door on Machado. Or I, Harper. Or Harper. Absolutely so. not. But, yeah, you know, look up. You're about an hour and ten minutes in, so I'm going to do the whole spiel. SorrySports.com. Sean's got an article up there now. I'm about to put up a uh, article about the Knicks. Um, so if you still have basketball fever, go ahead and check that out. Um, at SorrySports on Twitter. At Sorry underscore sports on Instagram. Still working on the Facebook and the Snapchat, but follow us on the both of those, and uh, let's get some listens this Yeah, and keep, uh, keep subscribing. Keep telling people. Let's get the, let's get the word out. All right, man. Take care.